Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll continue our Sustainable Leader series and have a talk story with Joe Joseph, which is also aka Joey as Junior, uh, Valenti, with the Albizia Project. We will talk about the Albizia tree, which is an invasive species here in Hawaii, and solutions due to its rapid growth as it takes over Hawaii's forests. From building homes, furniture, and now surfboards, there is much to learn about this species and how we can restore our native ecosystem. Aloha, Joey. Aloha. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today and on short notice. Uh, Before we begin, let me share a little bit on Joey. Joey is the founder of Albizia Project and co-founder of Bizia Surf. Albizia Project was established in 2017, and Joey was studying um, the building with Hawaii's most prolific invasive species, Albizia. He has been since built everything from pavilions to performance wood surfboards using a material that was once widely discarded in Hawaii. He currently oversees two USDA Wood Innovations grants in partnership with Hawaii Division of Forestry and Wildlife, Kaiser Group in Oregon, Albizia Project, and Bezia Surf. Albizia Project has grown to become a custom design and millwork business and a local distributor of their in-house certified regenerative lumber. And we also have Bezia Surf, which is slated to open very soon in December 2022. And they will be selling performance wood surfboards, branded merchandise, and ocean-friendly surf products. And they will have a brick-and-mortar in Wahiwa, which is really cool, at an online store. So let's jump right in to your background. Where are you from, Joey? I was born in Southern California in a small town called Narco, uh, just outside of Los Angeles. And I moved here just after high school, was I think 2008. Um, And yeah, so I'm almost about half my life there, half my life here now. And um, I know we got connected originally when you had put in your installations. So were you going to the University of Hawaii for, was it grad school or was it your undergrad? Yeah, the, you- I did I did the both undergrad and graduate program in architecture. Oh, okay. So I went to School of Architecture first year all the way to... Um, is a seven-year program. Okay. And you're yeah. still here today, which is awesome. And um, what does Joey do for fun? Um, probably <laughs> my favorite would be surfing um, when I have time. It's also kind of part of my job now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have two, I have two boys now. Since the last time we met, I don't think I had how any kids. Old, how old are they? Um. One is three and one just turned one. Awesome. Three and one. We have a two-year-old, so right smack in the middle there. Yeah. Um, and he's a boy, so I totally feel you that you have two toddler. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's yeah. Is your one-year-old walking yet or running? <laughs> yeah, he's just started. Right when he turned one, he started 
walking and then running a few days later. So Yeah, I know. I have we have a daughter who's 12, so big difference. Um yeah, very active, never sleeps. I have some bags in our eyes because he didn't sleep last night. He's still not sleeping well. <laughs> we're, we're on the same page. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, that's awesome. I'm sure they're getting into the water a lot as well. Uh, uh, let's go and dive into, I always ask this question, how did you get into the sustainable world? Um, what inspired you to dive into Albizia? Um, so I think I've always been conscious of what it means, you know, to be sustainable, to live sustainably. Um, just it's kind of who I am, uh, which I think probably influenced my uh, attraction to studying architecture. Um, and, you know, my my seven years in the program, um, I think influenced what I do for my, like in my practice, how I'm implementing sustainability. Um, so I would say, you know, being in the program kind of opened me up to what I can do to contribute to improving this planet um, through the work that I do with design. So in my, my last year of the program, it's uh, you do your dissertation work. And I was, trying to find a way um and it wasn't necessarily using albizia at the time but just looking at ways we can become a more self-sustaining island economy um and i was in in those studies finding out that we're very opposite of that unfortunately now um you know it wasn't always that way so how can we look to what we have available here to be um, to go back in that direction. Um, and I think that's basically the basis of my, my research and how I discovered Albizia. Um, and I got a little bit lucky with uh, there being this removal project at the Lion Arboretum just behind the university. It's a, a it's part of the university, but um, off the campus. So they they happen to be taking down um, a lot of their albizias when I was doing my research. So I was able to go back there and see it, you know, firsthand, um, the scale of the trees, you know, the logs straight. And I couldn't really comprehend why they weren't, we couldn't use the wood. And I didn't have much background in woodworking or um, I had taken a woodshop class in the program, which did fascinate me and I was tied to the to the beauty of woodworking and um inspired by that but I didn't have any first-hand experience with like milling logs or anything I just naive as I was saw a big tree with a lot of potential material inside and couldn't fathom why the logs were just being disposed of so that was basically where you know my aha moment where I saw an opportunity to at least explore uh, material that could be locally available so from that point um what did you do to i guess get that wood into the products that you're making today and um would love to talk about you know some of the hurdles that you've faced along the way too so because i know that now 
you're building with it and you've, you know, made stuff with it and now you're doing surfboards. So would love to hear the story on how things have evolved. How we got there, how we got to here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was back in uh 2015 actually was when i started the my dissertation work and that you know went for a year into 2016 um and i i was able to we'll go back to the um line arboretum where i was watching those trees come down because i was actually able to uh work with the arborists and the folks that worked at the arboretum as well to save a few of those logs and they let me actually go up there and mill them myself um they trained me to use like some of the equipment they had and while i was doing my my research and writing my book i was actually up there milling the lumber and learning how to do that because um, i wanted to i didn't want it to be too much theory right i actually wanted to see like what the material looked like i wanted to build something with it so um, when you say up, milling is it is that like cutting down the tree or is it actually turning into yeah. a certain type of so yeah cut? so the arborist so the art so i'll give you some some 101 <laughs> description yeah on like what these terms are so the arborists are the guys that remove they fell the trees they take them down and then the sawmill or a sawyer will mill it into lumber so they'll take okay. the logs and then cut it into, you know, dimensional lumber or slabs. But that's not um, so what I, they were doing there. They were just cutting them down and then what, taking them to the green waste or something? Um, or H power? or. A lot of times it, that happens. But in this case, since it was up there and they had so much land that, you know, there's a lot of ravines. So they were actually just dropping them off into a ravine. And, you mm -hmm. know, they'll just break down over time. So that was, the, you know, the the expense of removing it from the property is so high. Like they had, I'm sure they had to figure out a way to just leave it on the land. Mm -hmm. So that was that project. In some cases, you know, it's in residential areas, they have to get it out. So there's a cost to haul it. There's a cost to dispose of it. Um, and that's kind of where we come in now is we'll capture that waste product rather than it going to the, to the landfill or wherever they take it. Um, we'll save that, you know, that, that mass that's it's a lot of sequestered carbon in each log if you can capture that um but i'm jumping ahead so so yeah the the logs were going to get disposed i was able to save a few they set them aside and then they worked with me to mill them into lumber so i learned that i learned how to dry the lumber i took it to the school i actually made some study models i made some smaller scale models of the structure that i had designed I made some full-size mock-ups to see like you know it at full scale and we actually tested it in the engineering lab compared it to Doug Fur to see if it met structural um, requirements as a building material and it checked all the boxes right so it was like okay maybe I'm onto something it's actually working it looks good I don't really understand why people are talking so negative about it because I I see potential um and there was, there was a lot of like, you know, doubt around the idea that I was like, whenever I met someone that had experience, maybe they didn't have experience with it specifically, but, you know, they had more experience with wood than me. And they would say like, oh, don't waste your time. I ignored that. And I just kept trying things. And it, in my perspective, it was working, right? So, um, so we ended up 
building the structure. Uh, we got funding, and that was kind of the last time we met, I think, sometime after we, we built the prototype. Um, and that was after I graduated. So I spent like another two years doing what you could call postdoc work uh, through grants and stuff. And I was able to build the structure on campus and demonstrate that it's viable. Um, and we had all the testing, structural testing results to back it up. And, you know, a physical structure is, you know, you can't, you can't challenge that, right? It was built and it's withstood. Could you elements. just explain it um, in verbally to the listeners to what your structure was like and what it would be potentially used for? Should we be able to use it with? You know, sure. Given that I was um, an architecture student, I was trying to solve all the problems in the world, right? So <laughs> I designed a structure that was not only um, like visually attractive, right? We wanted something, I was thinking of something, if this gets built, it has to draw attention. It has to make a statement, um, kind of like an artist thinks, right? Uh, and then not only that statement, but also can it be um, something that can help our community right something that has value to a need in the community so i was also studying kind of concurrently with this material um the houses issue and how there's um that you know at the time and even now obviously it's it's a big problem and people are trying to figure out ways to build um to address that like temporary housing and things like that so i, I designed something in that category that was uh, essentially locally sourced but could be manufactured on island um, built quickly you know the idea was that it was like a kit of parts that it can be assembled quickly disassembled if needed and then relocated um, so that was essentially the idea and it, it ended up looking like this um, modern kind of holly type structure right it had no walls it was all louvered it had big opening like uh screen openings in the front um but the modern part was like it had these sliding doors right that could open and close um it was four feet elevated off the ground so it, you know it could withstand flooding so i was considering like um you know our conditions on a um near the ocean and that you know we have a lot of flood um potential here so if we built it near the water that it could withstand that so there was a lot of things I was addressing when I designed it um but it was a prototype so it was that was I was yeah, it's a small it. footprint it wasn't very large what was this do you know the square footage uh, it was about 300 square feet with a, about a 100 square foot loft so it ended up being about a 400 square foot space um but yeah and was, it was it more like a yurt without a kitchen and bath or did it have um capabilities for that i can't remember yeah i mean in the drawings that i produced it had a kitchen a small kitchenette and a bathroom but in the structure we didn't actually put that in you know there wasn't a budget for that so we just we just built the structure the shell of it with the floor um and then we used it it went up at the university if you live here you you know, near Man and you've been through Manoa, you've been past the campus, you probably saw it up there. It was there for a couple of years. Um, and it was only supposed to be a year, but everyone loved it. And it ended up just staying for a while. And then COVID um, hit us. So, you know, 
there wasn't any activity there and kind of in the middle of COVID I got notified like they're doing a you know whole campus renovation so it wasn't part of the master plan so then we had to remove it um which was good because you know no one I wasn't I wasn't able to maintain it and be there all the time you know I kind of moved on so it was good to to take it down and um, we actually restored it we rebuilt it recently at our farm where is it at now so we have a five acre farm organic farm in Mokalaia and we're doing all citrus tropical fruits um, and different kind of tree orchards around the farm and part of what we do with Albizia project is native ecosystem restoration so um, we're going to have a lot of space designated for growing native plants, nurseries where we can grow native stuff and then we can plant them. Um, we did one restoration project uh, during COVID in the back of Manoa Valley, actually not too far from where the first trees were milled at the Lime, Lime Arboretum. Just the, around the corner from that, there's a Waiakeakua stream. And we were approached by some native Hawaiian practitioners that steward that land. Um, they saw the structure at UH and, and found out what it was. And they have an Albizia problem on that land. So they connected with us and said, can you help us remove this Albizia so we can grow more food? Um, so we worked with them for a couple of years and eventually got funding to clear out the trees. Um, someone else had felt felled the trees and there was just a lot of logs laying there so we basically worked with some arborists to haul out all those logs so we can use the material and they had space to work so land. is it um besides just cutting down is there a way that naturally to kill the trees was it peeling it i don't remember is that something? um yeah they i forget what the process is called but there's um there's groups that are taking a different approach to, to handling Albizia. Um, I think some of them are called like the Albizia assassins on the big island. Um, there's a invasive species council or committee um, on each island. So they have their own, you know, approach to, to managing Albizia. Um, we're, we're focused on the Albizia that we have access to. A lot of the stuff they, they take on is like in, in the, the middle of nowhere where yeah you yeah. can't get anything in there yeah right and from my understanding you know that's not necessarily the safest way to manage them because um you kill them standing right and then eventually yeah. they, they fall or whatever you know that a storm will take them over so you don't want to put those kind of trees like in hiking paths or near houses or any you don't want to do that in certain areas right some areas like where we get our trees you want the trees gone like you you can't yeah. leave the lumber there right so so there's yeah we have our approach and you know we work with certain arborists that are removing the lumber or sorry removing the timber which is like the logs and then we take it and turn it into lumber awesome so okay so now we're at a place where you're getting this lumber and you've turned it into um an actual structure uh, maybe you could explain to everybody. Uh, so how come you're not pumping these out for affordable housing? <laughs> yeah, so the, that's that's a great question. Um, this, the prototype 
served a purpose. It didn't end up becoming, you know, a housing unit. Um, there's a lot of costs in, in what we tried to achieve. So like the structure was curved with these beautiful arches and all that was uh, CNC machine, which is like this kind of advanced machining technology where it's, it's computer um, controlled. You basically put it in the computer and the computer tells the machine what to cut. Um, it's kind of like 3D printing technology, same kind of thing. Um, so there are machines on island. The shop had one at the school and that's how I learned to use it. So we're also exploring that like kind of advanced technology, which right now is it's not the cheapest way to build, right? I mean, if you want to build the cheapest and fastest, um, you could scale that. If you scale it, I think, large enough, then you can get the cost down. But if you're making one unit at a time and you're using that machine time, it's just it's more costly than building like a simple um a, a box right like something with four walls versus curves and um a little bit more engineering in the process but i was coming from a perspective of the struck the wood had didn't have the structure to be or the strength to be structural um so i was and is that also the case thinking, though so the wood itself not, is not it's not the case yeah so that's just what i was told that's what i kept hearing and you know those influences kind of made me a little uncomfortable with just building like a stick frame house out of it. Right. So I actually took it a few steps further and we did like basically what they do with mass timber, which is a whole nother topic, but there's cross laminated timber, there's glue lamb beams where they glue up lots of pieces of uh, lower value wood. Right. Um, lower strength species like pine and stuff. And then it gives it that integrity when you glue up, you know, a lot of pieces together. So that was the approach I took. I glued it up to make it stronger, essentially. Um, but when we when we built it once and we did the test, you know, the design was already completed. So it wasn't like, oh, let's undo that because we found out it wasn't as weak as people say. Um, we just stuck with it and we built it. And um, so if we were to, to do this at scale and we were to build, you know, affordable housing then we would probably get rid of the arches and we would get rid of the gluing and simplify it right because we found out that the strength of the wood actually is comparable to doug fir um so you can build with it dimensionally without having to do all the engineering um, the challenge is you know there's a lot of rigorous testing to get it approved um i don't know what would what it would take to get that done but i think it would be uh some kind of you it's know, like at least like one or two years of like i know that david sands with bamboo like they're doing it and uh -huh. everything like that so they're going through that process but they have with bamboo obviously they, it's not the same type of product so they are going to have to do the laminate like you know it's a very strong product especially once it's all glued together so mm -hmm. that is um the route they're taking with their uh, rhizome.co company um uh -huh. and then they're gonna they're putting it through the tests and everything that for building code and stuff like that so um yeah. it's worth looking into if it actually is as strong because um does albizia where else does it grow where is it known for how did it get here <laughs> um yeah so interestingly enough it 
it arrived about a hundred or exactly 100 years um, before we established Albizia Project. So in 1917, I believe, um, another guy named Joseph brought it in. <laughs> yeah, How weird. Really and now Joseph's taking it out. Yeah. A hundred years later, we've kind of come from the other direction. But yeah, he was a, a botanist and his task was to help restore Hawaii because in his lifetime or in that, you know, that time frame, yeah. they were um, they were dealing with cattle grazing, you know, like all the farmers and stuff that actually denuded the landscape. So if you look at old old footage from those times, like Manoa was like deforested. It was quite interesting to see like in that time frame, they had taken out, you know, there was um, what's it called? Sandalwood you know, over harvesting, they basically harvested all of their high value species and sold it off, I think, to China or something. Um, yeah, so that, that was time, an actual industry at the time, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They just they just took it out so fast that there was, you know, there's they're almost extinct now. Right. So um, there, you know, it was a different time where he, I assume, was thought he was doing something good and it was serving its purpose. I mean, Albizia is a nitrogen fixing species. It's very fast growing. It's native to Papua New Guinea and Moluccas Islands, which is like Southeast Asia, I believe. And um, they found a species that would do well here. Over there, it doesn't have, or it has predators. Um, so it doesn't grow as rapid as it does here. Here, it doesn't have whatever predators that keep it contained, um, bugs mm. or whatever it might be. So it grows actually fast, much faster here and spreads more quickly. So how fast um, does Albizia grow just for the listeners? So they know, I think it's, um, mm, I used to know this one, but it's very, I think it's, they, they've said it's the fastest growing tree in the world when it grows in Hawaii. And I think it's like a foot a month or something something pretty pretty wild um i'd have to i'd have to confirm the, the numbers i don't want to i don't want to say it because i'm forgetting but um it's a, it's very fast yeah it's, so bamboo is really fast it's almost it's but almost bamboo like is a grass so yeah it's not a tree but i mean it's just really neat to see different people working with different products for building and so I'm, that's what I'm really fascinated about, especially since we have options, we should definitely explore them because it's what we have to work with mm -hmm. here in Hawaii. Exactly. So, yeah. um, awesome. Okay. And let's see, I guess I have some other questions. I know I just keep hitting you with more. Sorry. That's that all right. I'm I, I actually, what I'm going to ask. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in real quick if I can, just to just kind of wrap that topic up. Yeah. Um, so so what happened was, you know, with the structure being built um, and finding out, like, there's a lot of effort and cost into getting the approvals to build with Albizia, right? Um, and what we were getting, basically, the the response to, to the structure being built and the work we're doing was a lot of inquiries for, uh, for like, interior design work and commercial space, like um, mill work and different types of uh, 
furniture and all types, you know, these types of products versus um, build me a house. Right. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the direction we went with Albizia project because that was the demand. That was what people were asking for. So, so if I look back, you know, even though I came out of the gates building this structure, um, people saw value in it in a different way. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there were inquiries saying, Oh, can you, can you build another one? But people were more thinking like a year kind of product, right? Cause they saw the structure and I think that's what they were kind of comparing it to. Um, so we didn't really see the, the alignment with what, um, what we were doing going that route, like at the time. So we ended up pursuing a lot of the projects that were um, kind of architectural interior design work. So we would do these cool ceiling grill works for, for clients. And um, we did the elemental accelerator ceiling. We did Island Brew Coffee House and Ward, their ceiling. We did their tables and their shelves. Um, we're doing a, a gym set all entirely out of wood even the weights we filled with lead so it's like if you imagine bench press and all these gym equipment made out of alvesia wood is the project we're working on right now and it's going to be for one hotel which is a sustainable sustainably minded hotel in, where is it uh Kauai in Hanalei bay really is it already open or they're going to open i think they're opening in 2023 so we're installing this gym set i think uh end of the year or maybe january what's the uh, name of the hotel it's called one hotel yeah i think you should you should i can connect you with the the folks that i work with there but awesome. one hotel like o-n-e hotel Honolulu. that's okay. that's their brand i guess they're all over i've never stayed at yeah. one but they're um yeah just a eco-conscious hotel brand um, oh, so I those are the types of, yeah, That's so cool. those are the types of projects we've taken on. Um, they've come to us. We haven't marketed or anything really, right? So uh, we've just been taking on these projects. Someone approaches us and said, can you make this out of Albizia? And given our facility that we're based out of and the, the access to the material, we can pretty much, we found, make anything out of Albizia. Um, there's certain applications where, you know, you don't want to use that as a deck, for example, like a decking material, because it's just, it's softer. You know, that's something you, if you want to use a local species, I would use eucalyptus. That's what I did for my deck. Um, but there's, you know, certain applications where someone will say, can I do an Albizia deck? And then I'll recommend they use a local eucalyptus instead. Um, but in most cases, especially interior, I mean, Albizia is, is a good species for for a lot of applications so cool. so we've been busy with that and, and then, moving into your new endeavor perhaps are you mm -hmm. ready to go there <laughs> yeah oh yeah you want me to jump in yeah okay. sure um, jump right in <laughs> so um how do i start this so okay it's actually very connected to everything we're doing as well uh, when I was building that structure, I outgrew the shop at the, at the architecture school at the university. Um, 
it's a small woodworking shop that's for students to make models and small furniture. <laughs> I was building a house, right? So, <laughs> so I, I teamed up with the, the, uh, the shop director and we actually led a class. We started to build it. So we built a few of the arches. We built, you know, a section of the structure at full scale with some students. And that's about where we outgrew the, the space there. So we started to build it there and then I started looking elsewhere. I needed a larger facility to build the entire structure is what I found. So I ended up, long story short, connecting with Bellows Millwork and the owner, Eric Bellow. He um, was a, one of the only people that actually thought what I was doing was viable. So he, his eyes kind of lit up when I presented it to him and he said, yeah, if you're willing to, to work in my shop and learn my equipment for a few months i'll let you use the facility after hours to build your structure so that's what we ended up um, agreeing on <clears throat> so i learned to use like all of their miller facility equipment um, he gave me access to the shop and i was able to build the structure on my own schedule outside of their hours so i didn't interfere with their production and during that time you know we developed a relationship i learned that he used albizia years ago um, he started a mill on the big island with some partners and they were very familiar with Albizia. So he had, um, projects where he'd actually used Albizia and he had this surfboard sitting in the conference room that was an Albizia surfboard with, uh, chambers inside, meaning it's hollowed out. So you get the weight, some of the weight out of it. And I'm a surfer. So I was fascinated by that concept and, uh, surprised that someone else was doing something with Albizia. So that's kind of where we hit off, you know, future endeavors. And I approached him sometime, you know, in the following years, if I could get involved in the surfboard project, because they had just built a prototype and it just sat there. Right? They didn't go anywhere with it. Um, and I saw potential there. So, so, you know, six years later, we're now, um, pretty far into this new endeavor where we've built several different prototypes of these Albizia surfboards. Uh, we actually got a, one of those wood innovations grants that you mentioned in the introduction uh, to begin to manufacture these boards. So we actually got some funding that um, has allowed us to put our energy into taking this into basically production and opening a surf, uh, surf shop and selling these surfboards um so this has been like maybe the last two three years um picking up steam getting these prototypes dialed in and now we're in like the final months of perfecting the production we're about to make a fleet of longboards a fleet of fish um big wave guns and towing surfboards so we've got these wow pretty awesome partnerships with like Dick Brewer surfboards. Um, he was actually the first shaper that we worked with on the first uh, surfboard prototype. So we have his signature board on our first prototype, which is very cool. He passed away earlier this year, but he has um, a team that's still keeping his brand going. And then uh, Garrett McNamara, who's a big wave surfer. We're doing a tow board collaboration with him. So we're going to make his towboard design and sell that product. Um, and then Carson Myers, he's another up and coming, well-known young surf, uh, surfer shaper. 
who works out of the facility we're at and he's given us some of his shapes. So we're making these shapes with well-known shapers who are already established in the industry, basically taking their design and making it a wood version. And that's our model. So the concept would be to kind of replicate what people have already created and then, but you're doing it with wood and then you hollow it out to make it lighter. Is that what happens? Exactly. Yeah. It's called chambering. It's actually an old uh, technology. That they so I'm so back in the day. Uh, I do. I, I don't know how like Duke and all of them did it with their wood, but what was the wood that they used and how did they do their boards? Um, so if you go back far enough, I mean, some of the first, I mean, the first surfboards that we know of were wood, right? That's mm -hmm. where surfing started. Um, you know, there's the old, there's the, a lie. I, I don't know the names of all of them, but I know there's like the Pipo, which is like almost like a bodyboard size like a smaller board that they used to ride and there's the alayas which are bigger um and I, I know there's a few others uh but that was like you know the origins of surfing where the hawaiians made these wood boards by hand solid so super heavy mm -hmm. um i know they use different species i think koa was one um i'm blinking on the other native species but it was a lighter a lighter wood um but yeah they use you know what they had available obviously not albizia um but now you know albizia is plentiful it's a lightweight species it's similar properties to balsa which is what mm. a lot of the old you know mid 1900s wood surfboards were made from um balsa is used in airplane wings and all kinds of stuff like that so albizia is a little bit denser um stronger so we found it to be quite comparable as a as a material for surf sorts and then what do you coat them with can't really so, show it here because it's a podcast but i, I mean, um i would love to um come by and check some of these out if you're able to i have do you have photos and stuff like that already yeah i mean have you started a, have you started a page and everything because i got to check that out yeah so our website's up it's beziasurf.com and then our Instagram is Bezia Surf. Um, so we're, we just started getting those going this year. But yeah, they're starting to, I mean, they look legitimate. Like our website's just about ready to go. We haven't been talking about it because we haven't started selling boards. But if you go on the site, you know, it's full of information. Um, and we're actually going to do a giveaway um, to kick things off, I think, Thanksgiving weekend. So okay. we're going to we're so we we have the surfboards we have a surfboard bag company as well we're making surf uh surfboard bags from 100 recycled polyester and these are launching kind of side by side um our partners on the surfboard bags actually just opened a, a skate shop in kailua so they're all kind of in the same you know group of activities so we decided we're going to do a giveaway um, and they actually have a, an Airbnb that they call the surf cabin up in Pupukea. So we're, we're going to give away, uh, I think, a one-week stay there. We're going to open it up to mainland U.S. too. So we'll cover a flight, you know, a round-trip flight, a week stay at the surf cabin. You're going to get a surfboard and the bag and a surf and skate lesson. So it's like this whole package that we're going to do to kick off the companies. 
Um, so what do you have to do to enter? Not sure uh, we're still working out the details, yeah. But I think our goal is by Thanksgiving weekend we'll launch it, and I, you know, it's going to be like the typical follow all the companies, share it, and um, I don't know, post about it or something. Got to work those details awesome. out. So I don't even know what a range uh, for, let's say, like a regular surfboard is in comparison to your custom wood ones. Like, what are we talking for a range of a surfboard price? I have no clue. Yeah, so that's we're in like the the final days of dialing in the the pricing right now. So I don't have an exact number, but I would say we're falling somewhere in the range of a high, uh, high performance, high end. Like if you're looking at a longboard, for example, um, the high end longboards by well known shapers can go for up to two thousand dollars, right? I think we're going to come in somewhere above that, but not too far. So our goal is to be in that range, but because of our process and the material, you know, wood versus foam, we are going to be more expensive, but we're trying to keep it in a range that's still within reach for the market, for the broader market. Um, What's it coated with? Oh yeah. Yeah. I never got to that one. So we're actually using a bio-based epoxy. So it's a bioresin. Um, it's like the most eco resin for surfboards that you can get right now. It's called Entropy Resins is a product. Um, and we're actually removing the fiberglass. So fiberglass is, you know, another um, petroleum-based product. Epoxy is a petroleum-based product. Foam is a petroleum-based product. So we're trying to eliminate as much of that as possible in our product because um, to be honest, like that's, you know, that's, I think the direction that we all need to be going and that we're going to be going, getting rid of plastics from our oceans. And um, if we're surfers, that's kind of, <laughs> that's a hard thing to let go of, right? I mean, we, I, I have foam surfboards, like I'll probably won't, until they come up with something better, I'm going to keep riding that, right? So we're offering something alternative to that. Um, not saying to throw away all your foam boards, but it's, definitely a more sustainably focused product where we make something from wood um no fiberglass and our our sealant is a bio-based product cool so have you tested them out how do you feel they work compared to a regular surfboard with styrofoam oh yeah we've been surf surfing them for a couple of years now they are to me, I mean, I might be a little bit biased because I've been working with them for so long, but I, I feel like they're magic under my feet because, the I mean, when you're paddling out on this beautiful piece of wood and it has similar weight properties, it, it's a little bit heavier, um, but we like that for what we're making, for the types of boards we're making. Um, it feels good under you and it has good weight uh, buoyancy properties that counter the weight. So it actually floats really nice, um, has good control, good ride. It's, it's overall like a really fun experience. It's different. It doesn't feel like you're riding on foam. It feels like you're riding a piece of wood. Um, but because we make it hollow and so light, it has the performance characteristics of foam. Interesting. So it's pretty awesome. Cool. Well, um, Let's see. Maybe you did give us the information. Uh, can you give us the information again to your Albizia 
I know that you have www.albiziaproject.com and that's where you could find out more information on the Albizia projects and some of the woodwork that you guys do. Um, yep. And then what's the best way for someone listening to reach you? Is there an email that you would like to share? Yeah, you can, um, can reach me at joey at albiziaproject.com. That's probably okay. the easiest. And then they have their Instagram and Facebook, which is at Albizia Project. And um, for the Bezia, could you mention that one one more time so everybody um, hears sure. that one? Um, our, our website is beziasurf.com and our Instagram is at beziasurf. Uh, if, if you have inquiries for that, you can just reach out to hello at beziasurf or connect you know, through the website or Instagram. Awesome. Um, I think that's it. That's all for today. Uh, we will probably be airing this before your big push so we can help um, promote promote your um, opening and grand opening and everything. And, um, you know, feel free to share that as well. Thank you so much for um, joining us today. And I think that's all we got. So please also check us out at smartlivinghi.org uh, for our podcast. And then you can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, any podcast platform that's pretty well known, it'll show up if you type in Smart Living Hawaii. All Great. right. Well, until next time, live smart. Thank you so much. All right. Aloha. Thank you, Christina. Thank you.